The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Today I want to talk about pride. And uh, I'm not fond of talking about pride. I've talked about it before um, on numerous occasions and in different settings. Um, And I've always... Uh, discovered that testing times come after I've preached on pride. Because the opposite of pride is humility. And God wishes us, as his church, to walk in humility. Now there's a healthy kind of pride, that I can have pride in my appearance, as long as it's not vain. I can have pride in the way that I present, pride in the way I present my work and the way that I do things and the way that I keep my house neat and tidy and so on. So there's certain things where there's a healthy pride. So just at the kickoff, um, to give an example of unhealthy pride, a friend of mine was at a meeting in Kenya and it was a meeting of a big denomination. And uh, they were planning some venture for the Lord. And my friend called this minister by his name. The minister slapped him and said, You will address me by my title. Now that is unhealthy pride. So that is the kind of thing that we want to avoid. So... I'm, I'm going to ask you guys to help me not to get on rabbit trails this morning. Lucas, Dominique, Mr. Homo there, please. I love rabbit trails. So if you think I'm sort of deviating, just... <laughs> and my wife, of course. <laughs> I don't want to hear about rabbit trails afterwards. I want to just not go there. Okay, because I've got lots of stories. <laughs> okay, so when we uh, look at pride, uh, in my opening uh, uh, remarks, I want to just say that pride has been the downfall of nations. It has destroyed relationships between friends and families. And I can tell stories about friends or families, at least, where pride has destroyed the relationships between brothers, between uh, uh, father and sons, and so on. So pride is not something that we desire in our lives, because it hinders proper relationship. And it even hinders our walk with God, because in uh, 1 Peter 5, it says that God resists the proud. In James verse uh, uh, 4, verse 3, it says... Same thing, God resists the proud, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, we need to understand that when we walk in pride, God is resisting us. And, and in these scriptures, Peter is not talking to the world outside. He's talking to the church. He's talking to members. He's talking to me and you about pride. In 1 Peter 5 it says, 
you younger men, clothe yourselves with humility. And then he goes on to say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if you want grace to be extended in your life, to be released in your life, then we need to learn to walk in humility. It certainly helps in my marriage relationship. Because when I start walking in pride after we've had some little tiff, that's what we call it, we don't call it a major argument anymore, but even that little tiff can get your back up and then it can cause issues. You mean it's not only the woman that gets still stapled, it's us men as well. That we don't want to talk about stuff. You know? So, and pride, pride, pride has destroyed churches and ministries. I've been in a church where pride destroyed the ministry. So it's something that we need to be aware of in our lives. And a little bit later I want to talk about some of the fruit of pride. Um, and so on. So in the scripture there are many warnings and admonitions against pride. Um, and the scripture that I really want to look at this morning is in Proverbs 8 verse 13. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. So clearly this verse invites us to hate what God hates. And Joy Dawson, uh, that was a teacher in YWAM and who I greatly respected, said that fear of the Lord is one of our greatest defenses against sinning against the Lord. So when we walk in the fear of the Lord, when we respect God, when we have a high view of God, then it is easier for us to resist temptation. Amen. So let's just pray. Father, we just come before your throne of grace this morning. And as we touch on this difficult subject, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and that you would reveal yourself to us. Um, and we just want to thank you for that, Lord. We pray that if there's areas in our lives where we are walking in pride, we pray for conviction and we pray for a repentant heart and, uh, and a heart that trembles at your word this morning. And we thank you for that uh, in Jesus' name. So, when, I, um, when we look at this uh, verse uh, that I've just read to you in context, uh, we find that, that it's, it, it's, it's in the context of wisdom. And as I studied this and I looked at, uh, at, at a commentary that spoke about this verse, um, it wasn't a verse that, that stood in isolation, but it stood in a pericope of verses um, that, I will, uh, that I will read to you now. 
Um, and it says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree. Um, all the nobles, uh, uh, by me princes rule and nobles, um, all the judges of the earth. So it's speaking about a leadership context about kings and princes. But you can pull it down to a personal level because uh, the root of all problem is, is that when we walk in worldly wisdom, we can miss walking in godly wisdom. And that's why in the middle of this, or in the, in the, in the second part of this verse, um, uh, um, we have this thing, that we need to fear the Lord. Because we can have wise people in government that have no fear of God. We can have people that, that rule wisely, but they remove God from the Constitution. And so they can benefit humankind, but they can miss eternity. And so we need to look at this, and we need to understand that even though that this is spoken of, of wisdom or the fear of the Lord in a governmental context, um, in, in the commentary it says that this verse is almost an insertion, that it almost shouldn't have been there. But... But why? And I thought about that. And I, and I thought, well, if this is the word of God, and God is talking about wisdom and how it works in the lives of kings and princes and what it can do in their lives, then we need to understand that God wants them and us to live by the fear of the Lord. Because when we fear God, we will walk in righteousness before God and we will do that which is pleasing to him are you with me <laughs> so when we when the Bible here talks about I wisdom dwell with prudence now um, many years ago God gave me a number of life words and the one life word was prudence and the word prudence means the ability to govern and discipline yourself according to reason. And so the reason that we need to live our lives and is, is by the Word of God. So all the things that we do, um, the integrity issues and the challenges that we face need to be done by the fear of the Lord and, and by the Word of God at work in our lives. Are you with me on this? And so then it continues and says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge. And what's, what struck me is that in every situation, we need to have knowledge, but we need to find out what actually is happening uh, in that situation. So we're not acting on spur of the moment. I worked with someone once who you would talk to him now and he would give you a decision. Somebody else would come and he would change everything. So instead of waiting a while, so I've learned to wait. 
I don't just make rash decisions. I just wait until I have knowledge so I can make a decent decision. Otherwise, it's going to affect people negatively. And we're quick to jump into making a decision when something calls it. And sometimes we just need to say, I'm not going to be pressured by you. Because I haven't all the facts. And so we need just, and people will get upset. Well, let them get upset. But at least you'll make a right decision. And if the problem is one of patience, they lack. Are you with me? And then it talks about discretion. When we have discretion, we have a way of communicating something, communicating a truth, and it's not like a bull in a china shop. You just have knowledge and then suddenly you, you act on it and sometimes the, the outcome of that is not very clear. So, in this verse, it seems that the Broadman uh, commentary indicates that um, uh, verse 13 is an, in, in, is an inclusion but I don't believe it is because God is the author of Scripture. And He is the one that, um, that um, worked in, in Solomon's heart to, to add this in the Scripture. Because although Solomon didn't walk in the fear of the Lord for most of his life and he did many things that were wrong, at least he had the right understanding of what he needed to do. And that's with us, is that often we have a right understanding of what we need to do. But because of pride in our lives and the lack of the fear of the Lord, we can make almost any decision that doesn't honor God. And the fear of the Lord is the thing that will help us to make the right decisions. Amen. And as we look at the history of Israel, we can see that many of the kings failed to live in the fear of the Lord. Because when we live in the fear of the Lord, we will walk in righteousness, we will understand the holiness of God as being an important part in our lives, and so on. And sin will definitely be less attractive to us. So we see that in, in godly wisdom, it will lead to good governance. And worldly wisdom often leads to corruption and to evil. So God is telling us what a life is ordered, what a life, uh, what a life ordered by the fear of the Lord would look like. Are you with me? So verse 13 then indicates that God, what God hates. God hates evil. So what is evil? That which is opposed to God and his purposes. So when we look around us and we look at life in general, we look at different nations, we can see that 
people and governments are not walking in the fear of the Lord. We can see it all around us. Because corruption is there. And we see laws that are being legislated that directly oppose God's word and God's standards. We see it all around us. And then they expect us as Christians to conform. But God's word admonishes us that we need to walk in the fear of God. Are you with me? Who was a man that walked in the fear of God in the Old Testament? Daniel was such a man. And they hated him because he was so upright in his work environment and they wanted to make a plot to bring about his downfall. And they wanted him to stop praying to the God that he served and to bow down before Nebuchadnezzar. But he refused. No, it wasn't. It was Belteshaw. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, but he refused and he was thrown into the lion's den. So the fear of the Lord might bring about a difficult situation. It might bring about a difficult situation in the workplace. It might bring a difficult situation in the home. But it doesn't matter because we love the things that God loves and we hate the things that God hates. Are we clear on that? And it's something that needs to be a part of our lives. We love to talk about the love of God. The world loves to talk about the love of God. They don't want to know anything about the holiness of God. And it's just a concern. So where did all of this start? It had to start somewhere. And it actually started in heaven. We all think it started in the Garden of Eden. But it actually, evil started in heaven. And it started with the fall of Satan. In Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 15, it says this. And I want you to, to, to listen to the passage. And get and listen and it starts in verse 12 to verse uh, 15 it says how you are fallen from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning how you are cut down to the ground you who weaken the nations for you have said in your heart now remember that the heart is the place where, where our thoughts, the wellspring of our thoughts and our emotions and all of these things take place. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation 
on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So what, what is the, the word that stands out to you there? What is that one word? It's a little word. But it's a terrible word. What is it? Huh? It's I. I. And, and I want to just use this that I got from Floyd McClung. It says, think of the word Lucifer. Where is the letter I situated? In the? In the middle. Right in the middle of the verse. Think of the word sin. Where is the word situated? Right in the middle. Think of the word pride. Where is it situated? Right in the middle. And that's the issue. That's the problem. I. I. And that's often the case when we have an issue with somebody. It's I am not getting my way. I am being slandered. I am taking the heat. I, 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 I. Everything's about I. I make decisions based on I. Are you with me? And that is what you would call selfishness. When everything is about I, it depend, it, it's, it's, it's about you. I want this. I want that. I didn't want that. I mean, your wife cooks you a great meal, but I wasn't blessed for this tonight. I've done that a few times. To my peril. Anyway. So just like Satan, we often put ourselves in the center of everything. I'm not getting my way. So pride leads us down all kinds of paths when we oppose God's word and with worldly wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is the answer to gaining godly wisdom, whether in government, secular pursuits, or in individual lives. Amen. And one of the things when Jesus taught us to pray, he says, when you pray, what did he say? How did he start? How much? Our Father. Amen. Many times I've heard a prayer, Lord, I, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that. But God teaches us, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our, why? Because we're a body. We're a group of individuals, and then we don't think about ourselves. We think about what's best for everyone. Amen. What's best for my family and not just me. I remember there was a time when I would make many decisions that worked for my good and not for my family. I would travel and I would take what money we had because like I'm the pastor. 
and I need to look good. And Jenny would struggle at home and a missionary got hold of me one day. He said, hey, when you travel, you leave everything with your wife and you go trusting the Lord. But I was living, I. And, and God wants us to deal with that pride and arrogance in our lives. Because not only does it make us think the wrong things, it makes us act in the wrong way and it causes us to say the wrong things. Are you with me? Because when pride is there, it will affect everything in our lives. So pride means, actually it means an excessive preoccupation with yourself. And one's own importance. So it's elevating you as an individual. You might not, I stand amazed that Juan that works at a very difficult situation. <laughs> and that he puts himself back there day in and day out. And he just serves. <laughs> and one day God's going to elevate you. Amen. Anyway. So, pride and excessive preoccupation with self and one's importance. My achievements. And that can be for us as, as spiritual leaders. We see the work of God getting done. And then we take credit for what God is doing. Instead of realizing we're just a vessel. That we co-laborers with God. Or we take uh, an excessive preoccupation with status. I have one friend, a dear friend, but he insists on being recognized everywhere that he goes. And gets upset when he's not recognized. That is pride. I mean, if you go somewhere and people neglect you or, or overlook you, well, take it in good stride. And say, Lord, you see me. Are you with me? Amen. So, often, so, we have, that's just pride in general, but we have pride in nations. In the book of, 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 um, of, of Obadiah, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a very short book, it's one chapter. And it's about God judging the Edomites. And they were descendants of Esau. And they hated the Israelites, they hated the Jews. And God judged them for that. But you know where that started? It started when, back in the day when Jacob and Esau was born. And it carried through centuries. And I know of tribes up in Kenya that hate each other for centuries. The hatred has been there. Croatia and Serbia, the hatred has been there. You know when the Russian Federation took over and they made all those countries into one and when 
when, the, when that curtain came down and they all received the independence, they started killing each other. Why? Because of pride in their hearts. It causes nations to live in bitterness for years. There's no reconciliation, there's no love, there's no nothing. And yet, even in this situation, God is warning this, this group of people, these, these Edomites, these descendants of Esau. And they lived in the hill country, and in verse 4, they thought they were impregnable. They thought nobody could touch them. And in verse 4 it says, The pride of your hearts has deceived you. They thought that they wouldn't be brought to book. But God told them they were going to be brought to book. And they were arrogant. Who can? Who can? Bring us down. And yet they were brought down and they were judged. The pride of nations can lead to their downfall. And we can see that in different countries across the world. So they lived in the hill country and thought their fortifications were secure. But they weren't secure. And so we need to pray for the nations that God would work amongst the peoples. Amen. And we need to understand that if we don't speak up in our country, if we're not the salt and light, we will allow arrogance and pride to prevail. We see leaders coming into office in this country and my fellow uh, friends that live in Mualareng and these different places, they say, when they run for office, they say, now is my time to eat. Eat what? They eat all your money. That's pride. It's not there to serve. And that's what destroys a nation is that people are not there to serve their country and to love the people. So, when it comes down to our individual lives, pride is inherently deceptive. Pride, by its nature, is deceptive. We can't see it. We need somebody to point it out to us. We need the Holy Spirit to make it clear to us. If you're not sorting out an issue and it continues and continues, you are walking in pride. Because humility will sort out the issue. Because you will talk and you will come to an understanding of one another. And so humility is to be desired in our lives. 
Jonah was a prophet of God and God told him to go to Nineveh. Well, what was Jonah's sin? It was the sin of prejudice. And prejudice is rife in our country. And we need to repent of it. And yet God forced him to go and share the word of God and told the Ninevites to repent because God cared for those people. It's part of the Abrahamic covenant. I will bless you to be a blessing. The nation of Israel didn't fulfill what God had told them to fulfill, to be a light amongst the nations. They became proud and arrogant. And if we're not careful, we can become proud and arrogant. If we think about what's happened in our recent history, apartheid was arrogance and pride of the highest order. It didn't hear what God was saying about being a blessing to the nations. It heard only we. We and everybody else was pushed down. Are you with me? And so God wants us to live in humility. James 4, 6, as a reminder, says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in Philippians chapter 3, it says that we need to think, or chapter 2, we need to think more highly of others. Amen. Do we think on a regular basis more highly of others? Are we willing the highest good for other people? Do we want to see them blessed? Or is it just about me? That is so tragic. And it's so challenging. <laughs> Not saying it's easy. So we need to be clothed in humility so that so that we can that we can reflect the nature of God. Amen. John three sixteen, God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Now I believe that it's the world he's talking about and not the church. Jesus died as a sin offering for the sin of the world. Otherwise he would have stated it differently. It's the word of God. And yet man has fiddled with it. And made it say something else. And so... We need to love the lost and we need to love the church. We need to love our families. But let's learn to walk in humility. I think because of the, the, the meeting that we've had earlier today, I, I, um, it would take a while for me to go through the fruit um, that I would like to share and make it really clear because sometimes we don't understand what pride is in our lives. But one day I will come back to it. So I've got two sermons that I need to come back to. 
So I will come back to it and just bring it from another perspective and make more clear the, the fruit of pride and, and, and what, what humility uh, should look like. Amen. So I want to encourage us, let's love one another. And where there is love, pride can be dealt with. Amen. But where there is no love, uh, pride will find a place in our hearts and our minds. And so on. So let's pray. Amen. Now, Father, we just pray for your word to be revealed to us. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, uh, break through in our hearts uh, any areas where there is pride, Lord, against uh, parents, against brothers or sisters, even against uh, the corruption we see around us, Lord. Help us to be part of the solution by living in integrity and not having the idea that, well, everybody does it. So help us to see pride in our lives, Lord, so that you can be glorified and exalted uh, through us and the light can shine in the darkness. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.